Can the gospel of Christ accomplish the impossible? Let's talk about it in the life of Paul. So Paul, it's Saul, and later changed to Paul. So I'm going to just refer to him as Paul from now on. So Paul is a believer in the true God. He followed Judaism to the nth degree. It says he excelled above his peers. He was the Jew of Jews, basically. He's like the super Jew. Everybody, he wouldn't have been fun to hang out with, I know that for sure. And he followed all the rules and he did all the right things and he was zealous for the truth and purity and to get rid of anything that is bad and anything that is muddling the truth of God in this world. So he's very, very serious about it. And then, to this point, so the Christian church right around this time, Pentecost, gets 3,000 new believers. This is a big deal. So we have the Jesus rises from the dead, and then 50 days later, there's Pentecost, and it says, at Peter's sermon, right around that time, 3,000 more believers come. This church is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and to the point that it's going out of Jerusalem to other different places. And how does it go out to other different places? This is how. So right around that time, they elect different people to help out. The disciples are doing all kinds of different stuff. The apostles are doing all kinds of different stuff to help the widows and things like that. One of the guys they elect is a guy named Stephen. Well, Stephen was a righteous man and upright. The Bible talks about what an amazing guy he is, and he's before the authorities. And it's right there he goes on trial. And during this trial, he gives this whole history um, from Abraham all the way to that moment. And he calls him on the carpet for basically, you killed the Messiah, right? He calls him on the carpet that this is what has happened. They, they get infuriated. And his face is glowing like an angel, it says. And they got so angry that they pick up stones and they start to like literally kill him or lynch him with these stones. And what happens is they says they laid their coats down next to a young man named, and you can guess it, Saul or Paul. Here's a couple other quotes about him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women. Meanwhile, the other spot, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And to the point that the church starts to spread because there's persecution in Jerusalem after this first martyr named Stephen. And this church starts to spread. And Paul sees this, right? Just imagine like um, you got a, a computer virus on one of your files and then it's like somehow spreading to another file. You're like, I've got to contain this. And that's what he says. So he gets permission from the high priest. He's going to go all the way to the city of Damascus and he's going to chase down these believers, the followers of the way. And he's going to get rid of them. You know, like drag them back to prison. So he's on his way there. This is the most zealous guy you can imagine. And on his way there, I don't know if he's thinking about like Ezekiel and this picture of what, what does God look like. But either way, he is there and he sees Jesus before him. And Jesus asks him a simple question, Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and like, like a flip of a switch, it's not really a conversion in the sense of traditional sense, right? When I go through and I teach people the Bible, I've seen people who don't understand, maybe they're agnostic or maybe they have no idea or maybe they're atheists, and they now understand that Jesus is the Savior. Here's a guy who would say he believed the true God, but now God is going to change him. And so he goes to a guy named Ananias. Ananias is like, I don't want to talk to this guy. This is Saul, right? The guy who kills people, and he's chasing after people. And But God says, I have changed him, right? So he's baptized immediately. And this is, kind of gives you an idea what kind of guy he is. Immediately he goes out into Damascus and starts preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, well, people don't like this. We don't know exact order here, but he preaches immediately. This is the order I like. He goes to Arabia for a while and he comes back to Damascus and he starts to teach. So much so that the Jewish people there don't like it. And so they say, we're going to kill you. So they have to let him down in a basket during night. So he goes to Jerusalem. What, what do you think he's going to do in Jerusalem? He starts preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. And he's arguing with these Hellenistic, that means like influenced by the Greek culture Jews. And he wants to change who they are. And so they get mad. And they say, uh, we're going to kill you too. So the, Jew, the Christians now in Jerusalem, with all this tension of persecution going around, 
say to Paul, listen, you got to go. I mean, just imagine if like your worst enemy right now became the best friend or on the other end, your closest ally right now becomes one of the enemy. This is like the story of Star Wars, right? The, the one who is closest becomes the enemy and, and how hard that would be. That's what is happening in Jerusalem. So they send Paul away to a place called Tarsus, his hometown. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow and how that really changes. That time is significant. It's almost a decade that he spends in Tarsus. What's our takeaway? Two things. Number one is, and on a lot of levels, it can feel like God kind of owes me a favor. But it doesn't matter if you are persecuting the church or where you're at. Our own sinfulness means the only reason we have a relationship with God is because of straight his grace. Here's how Paul says it. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of the fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, God has called you by his grace. That's one. Number two is there is nobody in this world that you know who is more adverse to the Christian faith than the Apostle Paul. And God did the impossible and changed him around. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, you changed Paul through your grace. You've changed us through your grace. Give us his zeal and his passion to reach not just the people that are close to us, our best friends, but instead let's reach out into a world where it seems like only your word can change hearts and see those lives changed around through the gospel so that they then, just like Paul, can be missionaries in your world. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. We would love it if you would leave a review of this podcast. With just a few moments of your time, you could help us spread the message of Jesus. And besides, what else are you going to do? Check your phone, again. Scroll through Instagram, again. Binge something on Netflix? Okay, I'll stop guilting and shaming you. But we'd be so grateful for your review so that more people can hear about the grace of our Savior Jesus. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.